Welcome to the Hands in Motion podcast, brought to you by the American Society of Hand Therapists. Here we will discuss all things upper extremity therapy, from assessment to treatment, the latest research, the patient experience, and other topics related to the field of upper extremity rehab. Learn more and subscribe today at ASHT.org. Hi, I'm Kara Smith. And I'm Stephanie Strauss. And welcome to another episode of Hands in Motion. Today, we are going to be discussing all things related to the Certified Hand Therapist, or CHT exam. And we both know that just like mentioning that test can bring about all sorts of anxiety, even several years after taking it. So we hope today's episode will help decrease anxiety for those that might be taking the exam this year maybe help guide those of you that would be looking or be interested in taking it in the future, or even encourage those of you on the fence about taking the exam. And our guest today sat for and successfully passed the CHT exam this past November. So we are so excited to pick his brain about how he prepared for the CHT exam. So welcome to the podcast, Christian Ely. Thanks guys. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, and we're so excited. First off, <laughs> to yeah, have you. first off, congratulations. Yeah, good, you know, great that was job. quite a feat. Thank you. Thank <laughs> to, you. I can definitely forward. say I can breathe a little bit better now <laughs> moving into 2021. <laughs> Gotten a few hours of your evenings and weekends back, I'm sure. From yeah, it's kind of weird. Study. It's kind of weird to be like not studying. And it's, it's really good, but it's kind of like, I feel like I need to be reviewing something right now. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, what are you moving on to next? (laughs) So fun fact, I actually am getting certified in scuba. That was my reward for passing my CHT exam was as soon as I had, you know, I would have free time on some weekends. So I'm doing scuba classes right now. Oh, so that's great. really cool. That's what I'm yeah. doing in place of, of studying <laughs> for the CH. <laughs> so what, what happened in your career that you wanted to actually become a CHT? Um, like what led you up to say, Hey, I want to be a CHT. That's a great question. I started actually knowing that I wanted to be a CHT when I was a freshman in college. Oh, I wow. Actually, yeah. So this is kind of like, this has been my goal for a really long time. I actually shadowed at a outpatient orthopedic physical therapy and occupational therapy clinic to really kind of learn about just what options there were for someone that wanted to get into something that's medically related and exercise related and, you know, was kind of lost, had no idea where I wanted to go with that. And I showed up and I really was thought I wanted to do like sports physical therapy. I'm like, that sounds really fun. And that's going to be really cool. And so I showed up to the clinic and I was supposed to meet the sports physical therapist. And they were like, oh, their kid's homesick today. We don't, they're not here. We have a hand therapist you can hang out with today. And I was like, a hand therapist? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you don't have, you have somebody that just does that? Like, <laughs> And that's all they do all day I long. Know. And little, little did I know how wrong that, <laughs> that was. But I went and shadowed with this hand therapist for a day. And when I can still talk to my friends about this, I went home that night and told my roommate that I'm changing my major to occupational therapy. I want to be a CHT. And 
the rest is history from there. <laughs> wow. From that one experience. Yeah. Was, that's I'll incredible. You, that was a really cool experience. I ended up staying on and became a tech with that company for a little bit. And I think that's what really solidified it. So that first day was kind of what got me into it. And then spending time getting to like really be sure that's what I wanted to do. Yeah, we don't have a lot of male CHTs. We were just talking about that on our last podcast, how that is an area that's definitely in need. So that's great that you were able to follow through with that. And thank goodness that that gentleman called out sick or that his child was sick. I mean, not good that they were sick, but you know, (laughs) know you could be doing something completely different right now. It's crazy how that worked, but I always say there's a reason for everything. And that was, that was it. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So let's get down to the nitty gritty. So about how long? (laughs) So we all know this is a long process. I mean, each of us sat for our CHTs, so we know it is an extremely long process. How long ahead of the exam did you start actually sitting down and and formally studying? You know, we're always studying, but what was that time frame ahead of the test date that you said, all right, I'm buckling down and getting started? So like you said, it's kind of this, ongoing process. Even now, I feel like I'm not done studying. If you, one thing I feel like we should just throw out there, if you want to be a hand therapist or a CHT, you never really stop studying. You never stop learning. Agreed. So, Good <laughs> advice. Just say that, like, <laughs> there's never really a time where I feel like I wasn't learning, but I think officially studying, I made myself a year long plan and started okay. officially studying at a year out. From my yeah. Visit. And I know I studied for a year. How long, Kara, did you study? Yeah, it was probably about a year. I kind of did the same thing. Like I sat down with a calendar and knew the different topics and kind of planned that out, knowing the date I was going to take the exam and kind of worked my way backward. Right. I think it helps it hold you more accountable, you know, because if you say I'm going to study and then you don't have a plan, I think you definitely having a plan, writing it down, outlining is definitely suggested. Christian, what do you feel? Yeah, I definitely feel like that too. And I would say, honestly, you know, one of the things that I did really early on is I didn't know exactly what my official study timeline was going to be like, but I knew that if I could start, like, for example, when I first started seeing patients, like if I had a distal radius fracture walk through the door, like that's what I studied for the first two years of my practice was, okay, I'm going to go home and read about distal radius fractures and what these different resources and materials have to say about this. So then when I get to my actual studying, like portion of actually trying to memorize all the stuff that we know we have to memorize. And I'm like, okay, I know the practical aspects of this such and such diagnoses. And I really feel that helped me just Honestly, like then when it came time to do that year long, writing everything out and saying, okay, this month I'm going to study this and this month I'm going to study this. I was already kind of ahead of that game. Yeah, good. So when you were doing your, were you working by yourself? Were you working in a hand clinic at the time? Like what other kind of professionals did you have around you? Because I know a lot of times people they might be just the only person in their clinic. So what was your experience and what do you suggest for those people to do if they find themselves alone, you know, trying to make it through and studying and learning themselves? Yeah, for sure. So just during my 
time. I actually started my professional career as an acute care therapist in a level one trauma center in Indianapolis, Indiana. But I ultimately knew that I wanted to be a CHT. And Mm -hmm. so I'll tell you, one of the first things I did was sit down with my boss and my team lead and say, hey, you know, upper extremity is something I'm really interested in. Like, I would love to take the lead on when we get upper extremity injuries that come through this hospital. And they were like, deal. And so there were no CHTs around me at that Mm -hmm. point. But there was a, okay, this lady broke both of her legs and her distal radius. Christian's going to see this patient because they have an upper extremity, some sort of (laughs) issue. Um, Oh, that's great. And so I think that's one way that I can just encourage people to be kind of creative in whatever setting you're in, you know, just don't be afraid to be that person that steps up and says, okay, like if there are splints that need to be made, if there's an upper extremity patient coming in, like, let me learn how to do that. But I think secondary to that, I did spend a lot of time too working in both hospital-based and community-based orthopedic clinics as well, where I was surrounded by other hand therapists and CHTs. And that really is an invaluable resource. And I think that's something I identified early on in my career. And so I actually moved from Indianapolis, Indiana to Bowling Green, Kentucky to take a job where I knew I would be around and supported by other hand therapists because the value you get from that is, I don't think can be understated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you make a couple really good points with that and good reminders for, for newer therapists. You know, we always hear people say it's so difficult to get in, get your foot in the door with hand therapy. And sometimes you do have to take a position in an acute care setting and you were putting yourself out there knowing that this is my ultimate goal, but what can I do in my current position to put myself ahead of the game or whatever, to get that experience that a lot of these facilities want. And then second to that, you took a, an even bigger leap to go for a job that you knew you'd be surrounded by mentors, which of course, you know, I think we all can agree that's a huge part of, I know my CHT or becoming a CHT. I mean, I still keep my mentors on speed dial and text them regularly. (laughs) So I think those are two really good points that you make that for therapists that are wanting to get started in hand therapy. Yeah, I know Kara, I watch a lot of the boards on social media and there's a common thread. And I just saw one earlier today, somebody wanting to, you know, a younger therapist saying, I want to get into hand therapy and I just don't know how to do it because they want experience in hand therapy. But then how do you get that experience if they don't hire you and somebody giving you that chance to, you know, if you don't have the experience. So Christian, I guess you, like you said, make that opportunity happen. Try to be creative. I really like that answer because you kind of thought out of the box, which sometimes I think you need to do. I would definitely agree with that. And that's one thing that if I can like just my first little piece of advice for anybody looking to get into it is that being creative like that pays off. So then when I was able to go to my interviews and I had no quote unquote outpatient hand therapy experience, 
I was able to say, yeah, but I have lots of splinting experience because I did all of our inpatient splinting and I've treated lots of upper extremity patients because I have, you know, helped start a total joint program through, you know, with uh, like reverse total shoulders and trying to get those out same day, you know, Mm -hmm. and was on a team that focused on that and with the upper extremity. And so, yeah, you created that experience. (laughs) Exactly. Mm -hmm. So being able to create your own experience like Mm -hmm. that in hands and then selling that, that's going to be a huge card stacked in your favor. Mm Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about the clinic that you went to and what you said, Bowling Green, that you were surrounded by therapists. What was that environment like for you coming in? It sounds like as your first outpatient experience, what was that like stepping into that environment and how did they create a learning opportunity for you? So that's awesome. I was really blessed to have an awesome opportunity in Bowling Green. The assistant clinic director was a CHT and her name is Carol Mosby. And she was really kind of my first mentor and continues to be kind of my mentor, even halfway across the country. You know, I got to work directly with a CHT, another OT who had been in hand therapy for a while. And really what was awesome about this clinic was the doctor actually did clinical rounds with the hand therapy team. And so I really got to have a great relationship with a top-notch hand surgeon, Dr. Keith Morrison in Bowling Green as well. And, you know, it started out really where they, a great mentor helped set me up for success. I started treating, I can remember it so funny the first day and like my first patient is just like wrist sprain. And I was like, here I am, I've made it. Like, oh my gosh, (laughs) now what? Like I remember sitting down with that first patient and now looking back (laughs) these years later, like, Oh man, I was green <laughs> at that point, you know, and I'm I like, think we can all count those times as well oh, in our careers. It's really funny now to think about back on that. And I can, I still remember that patient to this day and just really learning it as I went and sitting down and being with my mentor and like, I'm here and now I'm kind of scared because <laughs> this is it. <laughs> All right. So what about resources? You know, you look at it at the, the hand therapy commission and they have this huge, huge list of resources that you can use as a therapist studying for the exam. And I know for myself, it was extremely overwhelming. And of course you can't go out and buy every single text that they are suggesting. So what were your go-to resources? What were your texts that you pretty much lived with, you know, for that year that you would suggest to our listeners and say, Hey, if anything, you should buy this text or you should buy that text, which ones would you recommend? Yeah, for sure. I think, first of all, I always just caveat anything with this is that everybody learns differently. And I think there's a million resources because my perfect formula for me may not be the perfect formula for somebody else. Yeah, but good point. I felt personally, I really used my studying really with three main resources. I used the American Society of Hand Therapists Study Resource Guide, which is available on ASHT. It is a great spiral bound notebook with 
a bunch of PDFs attached to it too, in really just straightforward bullet point form. Great ways to just grab uh, like a quick PDF to go study with and just really direct to the point on the information. Which they are coming out with a new edition soon. Look for that coming soon. (laughs) I'm really excited. I've already told a couple of the younger therapists I work with that just wait till that new edition comes out. Such an amazing resource. The second one, and this is probably, everyone's got to heard this, is the hand Bible. And this is still sitting on my shelf behind my desk at work is the Rehab of the Hand and Upper Extremity, Volume 1 and 2. I actually had the sixth edition, but the seventh edition is brand new and out right now. And it's really cool. I like the way that it's set up a lot. And we just purchased yeah, it. They did a nice job with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's one of those things that I tell you, that's a great resource to study for your CHT exam, but that's a great resource that you're just going to have forever to kind of go back and look up. Yeah, for sure different stuff. So just a little caveat to that, you know, when I was first getting into hand therapy, the rehab of the hand was only one edition. (laughs) There was not volume one and volume two. It was one book. So just to date myself a little bit, (laughs) and I still have that book somewhere. I never got rid of it. So I I think I have all of my volumes too, that I've studied with over the years. It's a great one. And then I think the third one is everyone calls it just the purple book, but it's actually titled, oh gosh, hang on. The title's leaving me. (laughs) One of you guys knows it. I'm sure you do off the top of your head. The purple book. (laughs) I know that's what we always call it, but I feel so bad to the authors that I gotta, I gotta figure it out real quick. It's called, (laughs) I think it's just, so the purple book is hand and Upper Extremity Rehabilitation, A Quick Guide and Review. This textbook is set up with just nothing but practice questions. And so I'll tell you, it was a great resource to add in addition to, you know, the ASHT study guide and rehab of the hand and upper extremity to kind of supplement your learning and really kind of test your knowledge where you're at before you sit for the exam. So one thing that I did with the purple book questions, I somehow, and I don't remember how I did it, but somehow recorded the question and then the choice of the answers and listened to that. I had back when I was studying for the exam, I had like an hour plus commute each way. Mm -hmm. And I listened to that probably for I would say five months before the exam every day, back and forth to work. Oh, wow. It's so funny you say that because that's, I did something very similar. So uh, again, when I talked about earlier that, you know, knowing that everybody learns differently, I know that I'm an auditory learner. I've Mm -hmm. always been an auditory learner. Even in OT school, I would have to go into my room and sit and read my textbooks out loud to myself to really get that information. I can't sit quietly and read or I don't get anything. And right. so what I would do is I would actually highlight and read sections back onto my phone that I recorded and then listen to the recording of me reading the textbook back and forth as I had my work commute as well. Yeah. So I definitely think kind of like what you said, Steph, and just, 
if you're an auditory learner or if, you know, maybe just reading a textbook isn't your way, get creative, you know, on how you can really retain this material. Because I know that's what I had to do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm such a... Go ahead. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, I'm such a kinesthetic learner. I had to draw, I had to draw everything out. So I have like handwritten or hand drawn like pictures of ligaments and, you know, I maybe was going to aspire to be the next netter, whatever, but, (laughs) um, I just, I can't listen and, and absorb stuff. I, my mind drifts off. So yeah, I was the one hand drawing out everything so that I would remember it, but could Mm -hmm. picture in the test what I had drawn. Right. Right. And like you said about being creative, I mean, I was working at that point, 10 hour days and had a two hour commute. So, I mean, combined two hour commute and I needed to optimize my time the best that I could. And what better way than, you know, sitting in a car for an hour doing nothing, you know, rather than listening to music, I was just drilling that in my head day after day after day. So, you know, people often will say, well, I don't have time to do that again, be creative and, and try to sneak time in when you can, you know, lunchtime. If you have that free downtime, you know, work some study time. And then I don't well, know. What do you think? People are getting so creative with, with all the ways that they're studying. I mean, I'm sure there's now different audio tools and different video tools and different, I mean, all sorts of resources now that people can access and, and utilize in, in whatever downtime you have. So I think using your commute's a great, a great way to do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. I think the more creative you can be, the better with this. So what was it like leading up to those, I guess, last couple of months? Like, was it a frenzy to like, try to cram in everything that you needed to learn? Or was it, what was that like for you as you got closer to November? Well, I think the first thing that we probably should just caveat that is I was working in healthcare in the middle of <laughs> a pandemic. Oh, so, yeah, you know, I guess that, that is true. A little extra stress <laughs> too. Yeah, everything. for sure. Um, Oof. But I, uh, I was taking my, my books into the ICU with me when we had to, you know, change shifts and go into the hospital and start proning. <laughs> oh, wow. um, I was taking my purple book to read between patients. So it <laughs> uh, <laughs> was a little stressful coming up, but honestly, <laughs> sure. um, I think the more you can practice and the more you can study ahead of time and the more you can read, you can spend those last couple months really focusing on those things that we just have to memorize for the exam. There are certain things that you just have to memorize. And so I really tried to focus those last couple that's month, month and a half before the exam, really just trying not to quote unquote, learn anything new at that point, really just Mm -hmm. focusing on trying to memorize the things that like needed to be memorized, you know, your innervation and return, you know, your brachial plexus, your, your different types of distal radius fractures and fracture patterns, things that just, you got to memorize, you just have to know. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that the, for myself, I did take the hand therapy review course from ASHT. That's like scheduled almost a month prior mm-hmm. to the exam. And I wouldn't take that course looking to start studying. That is finally, that's like a end review of all the yeah. material prior to taking the exam. I know several people, you know, will wait and take that exam or take that course and think that that's going to be their way to study. And, you know, I'm like, Hey, listen, if you're going to take that, I would wait a whole year 
to take the exam. Don't take that thinking that that's going to be your study tool to pass the exam. That is your review of your material. So you should have been prepping, you know, the year prior to that. And don't, don't look at that as, you know, oh, well, I'll just take that course and then I'll be able to pass the CHT a month later. Yeah, I agree, Stephanie. I did the same thing. I took that it was in September. So about six weeks out from taking the exam. And Mm -hmm. it was, it was almost a confidence booster because I went into it knowing, okay, I should know what I need to know going into the exam. And I'm going to go to this course and I'm going to sit there and I'm going to listen and absorb what I need to. Again, I'm not an auditory listener. So (laughs) so I I knew that that wasn't going to be, you know, the way that I could learn everything, but it was a confidence booster for me to sit there and go, okay, I do know this stuff. I have been studying this for the past year. And there are some of the lectures I did you know, they were light bulb moments of certain things that I just wasn't getting in my studying, but I agree. I think it's not something for me. It wasn't, it was a truly a review course as opposed mm-hmm. to just a beginning CU course or right. getting a foundation for, right. for where to go. And some people have used it that way, but I think for both of us, we found the opposite to be true. Right. Now I, Christian, did you use like a mentor through ASHT? I know they have a mentor program and then they have the course. It's not a paid course, but you're prepping for the CHT where they meet kind of monthly. Did you do any of that at all? Or I know that's kind of newly developed. So yeah, you know, that was one thing that they didn't really have much of when I was first getting into studying and learning what I need to know for the hand therapy exam, you know, like I said, I got really lucky, you know, with my mentor in Bowling Green, both with Dr. Morrison and Carol. And then also, you know, where I currently work now, as I was studying and finishing up for the exam, Mm -hmm. you know, I work with a great hand surgeon now, Dr. Jamie Alexander, and a great team of OTs and CHTs that have really were able to kind of help me fine tune everything right before the exam. So Again, I don't think I can understate the importance of getting and finding a mentor during this study time. And I think that kind of, we talked about earlier, like, even if you're not working at a clinic that has like a CHT or a hand surgeon available for you to learn from, get creative. ASHT, this new program that we're offering, like we're really matching people with mentors and mentees is an amazing service take advantage of it. Right. Right. Okay. I think I'm going to ask you one last Mm -hmm. little tidbit of information. So your night before the exam, what did you do? (laughs) Oh gosh. All right. (laughs) The night before my exam, I had already told myself that I wasn't going to study and that was really hard for me, but I didn't. I made myself not study, <laughs> which honestly probably caused me more anxiety than, <laughs> than the test. I actually met up with some friends and had told them they had just known that this was, I was on this journey and was like, hey, I'm celebrating tonight because no matter what, at the end of the day, I put in a lot of work. And tomorrow I get to celebrate the end of that work one way or another. And so we all just went out to dinner and had a good time. Oh, nice. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So Stephanie, do you remember what you did the night before? 
panicked. No, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did the same thing. I mean, I didn't go out. I kind of just stayed low key, had a glass of wine at home and just kind of tried to forget everything and say, hey, well, what shall be, shall be, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, it can be, it's difficult. It can be challenging to not want to cram, but I recommend not cramming because you need to take your mind off of it and go in, you know, with a clean head in the morning and not have it filled with, it's already going to be filled with stuff. You don't need extra stuff crammed in from the night before. So don't try and learn anything new, you know, <laughs> Yeah, <absolutely. laughs> focus on what you know. Yeah. What'd you do? You know, I really, honestly, I don't remember what I did the day before. I know I took the day off work, but I remember more what I did the day after. <laughs> so I remember, I think I took it on a Thursday and knew I wasn't working the next day and I wanted to go to the beach. And so it's kind of a feat in Texas to try to get to a beach. But I remember driving to the beach and I, we stopped for a cup of coffee. And I remember walking into the coffee shop and I was standing there in line. And all of a sudden I turned, I was there with my family and I actually turned to my mom and I said, Hey, I've got to go outside. Can you just order my drink? And I went outside and was like, physically ill because of the smell of the coffee shop was like such a stressor <laughs> because I spent so much time studying inside coffee shops that just the smell of it reminded me of the test. And I was like, I've got to get out of here. So oh my goodness. Um, yeah, that's, that, that's what I remember. <laughs> and then I went oh. to the beach and forgot about all of it. So right, right. So Christian, what did you do? I get I lied and I said I was only asking you one more question. But when you opened that letter from HTCC and like, what did you do? Okay, so I actually <laughs> I got mine on a email that it was going to be mm -hmm. live, and I was actually at work because they emailed us and told us which was crazy this year because of the pandemic, the scoring was a little different. So I don't think anybody else will ever have to go through this, but they sent <laughs> an email saying like, Hey, your scores will be ready today at some point. So <gasps> watch for your email for that. Your scores are posted. So like, how is I supposed to be productive? Oh, oh, there's no way. So <laughs> right. And like between every patient, like I was like getting on my phone and scrolling down and like refreshing, like, do I have a new email? Do I have a new email? And I actually got my email and one of the therapists I work with was like, did you get your results? I was like, yeah. She goes, what are they? I was like, I don't know. I can't look at it. <laughs> <laughs> so and then she, she is, she's a lot of fun. She was like, Christian got his results. And I didn't even know what they were yet. And so then oh, my no. oh. with me, I opened them. And I just remember being like, not like reading congratulations and just being like, holy cow. Like I blacked <laughs> out for like, yeah, seconds after the that feeling in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, same thing. I was at work and I looked at the email and I was actually, I was working with a patient and, you know, you get those little pop-ups that you got an email. I was like, oh crap. Like, <laughs> and I read it and 
I literally looked at my coworker. I'm like, can you just cover him for a second? I walked out to the back of our clinic, sat on the steps and bawled. Like it was like this emotional release was just like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe like, and I came walking back in, my eyes were all red. And I was like, people were like, what's wrong? And I'm like, nothing. I was like, I could, I like, it was tough for me to even finish my patient because I was like, I can't believe I was just so excited. It was probably tears of, I don't know what, well, tears of joy, but you know, I think it was just all that stress. Yeah. 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 Kara, it's your turn. (laughs) Oh man. I too was at work. And I think I was covering, I was working in a clinic with a physician. So we were in between patients and got an alert on my phone. And so I just kind of snuck away on my own. Cause I, I like to do that kind of stuff in private, like by myself, <laughs> you know, one way or the other, what's, what's it going to be. And I saw that I passed and of course went and told the surgeon that I work with and my coworkers oh. and family, you know, of course yeah, everyone, yeah. everyone gets to know everyone. <laughs> It's the announcement. So yeah. Yeah. Yes. It was a very sigh of, you know, just really not sigh, just a breath of fresh air that this is, I've accomplished this. So right. Exciting day. Yeah. All right, Christian. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I loved our conversation and I hope that our listeners get some good information. I feel like they will good suggestions, good key points. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, you guys. I think if I can leave with just one more thing. Yeah, for sure. I think it would be that the CHT exam was hard and studying for it was crazy. But I think if I can encourage anybody out there that when you're studying and you're learning, the best way to go about this is learn not to pass a test, but learn to be a good hand therapist to help patients because that's where we got into this. And then when you get to the test, you'll be like, this is what I do every day, right? So instead of memorizing things to memorize them because I need to regurgitate them on the test, you memorize because one of these days, like somebody's dad is going to walk through the door that is afraid he'll never be able to play catch with his son again, or somebody's going to walk through the door and think that like, they'll never be able to hold their grandchild again. And you're going to be able to have that knowledge to be able to help that person. And so when you focus it like that, studying for the exam really wasn't that bad. So I think that's just one thing, whether you have your CHT letters or not in hand therapy, we can do amazing things to help people And so study to be that person, I think is just kind of the big key takeaway I can give you guys. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Yeah, great. For sure. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us for this episode of Hands in Motion. You've been listening to Hands in Motion brought to you by the American Society of Hand Therapists. To learn more about ASHT and to subscribe to the show, please visit ASHT.com. We'll see you next time on the Hands in Motion podcast.